Welcome to an episode of the New Age Outdoor Podcast with Turbo Outdoors and Michael Hedden. How's it going, everybody? We're back. I know it's been a while, but we got a pretty good episode today. Today we have Ryan Bertha with us, and he's from Kansas. So we're gonna I'm gonna let him introduce himself and we'll kind of get into what we're gonna talk about today. Yeah, um, I'm Ryan. Uh I own Big Bertha Outfitters. We're located in South Central Kansas. We're a waterfowl guide service and spring turkeys and yeah it's my passion it's what I love to do and I'm excited for the talk yeah I know it's it's always nice when you find somebody that shares the same passion to get on and talk about stuff especially when you guys hunt the same stuff and I mean I know you're in Kansas I'm in Iowa but it's still the midwest so you eat a lot of the same things around so yeah so you said you guide turkeys and um waterfowl do you have like a preference like what's your favorite um I've always been a really uh big waterfowl hunter. I like waterfowl hunting because, um, it's something you can get new people into really easily. Um, it's not something like deer hunting where you have to be quiet all the time or have to stay still. You can't talk with waterfowl. You have that, you know, you fire, you, you have your harvest and you get to celebrate, you just, you know, laugh and stuff like that. Um, that's kind of why I enjoy getting people into waterfowl hunting. Um, that's how I started my hunting career and about that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So when did you uh, start hunting? So I actually grew up more of a fisherman than I did a hunter. Um, I've fished my whole life, always been an avid outdoorsman, you know, did the Boy Scouts as a kid and stuff like that. But um, I didn't really get into hunting until right after I graduated high school. Um, Then I met some friends at college who got me onto the hunting stuff. I mean, I've, I've gone on upland hunts when I was a kid, like when I was 12, 13 with my dad, or we'd go on an occasional dove hunt, but I never really got fully, you know, hooked to it you know until college and uh it just it went off from there man it it was it's a booming booming drug dude that is that is so true like i got started um like i said i I grew up fishing my whole life too you know from the time i could hold a pole i started fishing we uh i chased walleye with my grandpa in south dakota which is like a big thing around here and then obviously we fish a lot of bass and catfish where i'm at that's just because we don't have a whole lot of walleye within i would say an hour radius of me um, so I grew up like fishing bass and catfish by myself and learning that. And then I was 11, my stepdad got me into uh, deer hunting. And since then I've picked up and now I pretty much hunt everything on the, in the area. And two years ago, I started turkey hunting. And then last year is my first waterfowl season. And for a first season, I think I did pretty good. We got a couple good shoots. I had uh, the guy turbo who's not on tonight, couldn't make it. He, uh, he got me into waterfowl and turkey. So I was pretty lucky for that. And then, yeah, it's, it's an addiction. Once you start it, you, it's like, that's all you think about all year long. You're like, even in the spring, you, like we were turkey hunting this spring and we found a little back backwater oxbow off of the river that had a couple dozen mallards and a dozen teal on it. And we're like, all right, we need to pin this. So we can come back. So it's all public land. And I went back like a week ago and it was all dry. So that's pretty sad. Yeah. We're pretty dry down here in Kansas too. Just not much water. And if you do have water, it's like gold. Yeah. So, so you started off, um, waterfall hunting in college. So what was like your first like waterfall experience? So I lived with a group of guys. Um, I graduated from K-State. Uh, we just kind of lived in a big outdoor, uh, kind of community household. We all were studying stuff, wildlife related. I graduated with a bachelor's in uh, park management conservation and my other roommates graduated with a wildlife outdoor and enterprise management. So we're all avid outdoors. We were always going fishing. We were always, you know, 
just always doing something outdoors. We fly, fly fish, we bow fish, we do all kinds of stuff. And so one day my buddy's like, Hey, we're going to go teal hunting uh, with my friends. And I couldn't make it. But then when he came home with all these ducks, you know, I was like, dang, dude, that looks like so much fun. He's like, yeah, you want to go next weekend? I was like, heck yeah, man, let's go. So my first teal hunt, um, we went up to Northeast Kansas, which is where Manhattan's at. And, uh, it was my first teal hunt. I've never shot a duck before. I've never, I've never, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And, uh, he's like, don't worry about it. Just, you know, bring your gun. I'll get you some steel shot. And, uh, well, you know, we did public land. So that's a grind. You got to get out there. At least in Kansas, it is. You have to be out there at midnight to hold your spot on some ponds. Right. So yeah, we're Kansas out there is one of those mid- states where everybody goes. Yeah. So we're out at this little marsh, um, at midnight. And I remember the worst thing was the mosquitoes, man. I got eaten alive. I forgot to pack bug spray. He told me strictly, make sure you pack bug spray. And I totally forgot. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was an adventure, man. I had the, the, I, he gave me the opportunity to fire the first shot and, you know, kill the first bird. And I was hooked from there, man. I, we had a group of blue wings come around from the corner straight into me and I dropped them within four yards of us. And I was hooked like that. We ended up shooting a two man limit because there's only me and him. And, and I was like, Oh, are we going tomorrow. And I, I just kind of had this like itch to go. It was, it was addicting. And, you know, eventually like we have another friend in that household. He's a big upland hunter. He was just like, man, I only, I only hunt pheasants and quail. And, you know, we finally got him hooked on the uh, waterfowl. Now he's even more addicted than I am. So it's, it's cool watching other people join the community that you weren't a part of. Now you get to be a part of, and then you get to invite others. It's just a growing, growing sport. And I'm glad. Yeah. That, that's pretty much exactly the way I was too. You know, I got invited on hunt and, now I'm, you know, have so many new buddies that are wanting to go this year that I'm excited to take. So you started off public land teal hunting, you know, with some buddies. How did, how would that progress to now you owning and running the outfitter business? Like what's the journey been for that? Oh, it's been a, it's been a remarkable and amazing journey. And I'm super proud of the accomplishments I've made so far. So I graduated with my bachelor's degree just two and a half years after that, uh, was planning to be a game warden. That was my initial uh, job I wanted. So I went to college for it and everything and went through the hiring process of the wardens. And in Kansas, it's a very, very, very tough gig to get like the whole hiring process. It's, it's really drawn out. You got to do a physical test. You have to run mile, do a bunch of exercises. You have to do a book test, which is you have to know every fishing law, boating law, hunting law, fur harvesting and trapping law, and you also had to identify every single animal in Kansas. Um, it was Dang. a big thousand question test and, uh, they took the top three scores and I just so happened to end up with the fourth highest score. So oh, here I man. am. Yeah. I was, I was a little upset. Um, but you know what? God has a plan. So that I mean, he knew that I needed to do something bigger. So I just like, man, I'm a broke college kid or broke out of college kid. I need to do something. And that spring before and I took a lot of my friends hunting um, for their first harvest. Uh, I took uh, two of my roommates got their first turkeys ever, and we shot some beautiful Merriams. We shot a Rio. Um, I got to double up with a good friend of mine on his very first hunt, very first sit. We doubled up on two birds, and I was just like, "Dang, this is fun! I love taking people hunting. I like to, you know, the the not just the harvest, but the aspect of." the emotions that they get after a harvest, you know, the smile, the, right. Oh my gosh, did I just do this? Oh, this is awesome. The whole, cause I mean, I did the whole works with them. I made them go with me, just go scout. I made them go up to the door with me to ring the doorbell and get that permission. I mean, I did the whole nine yards with these guys and it was just, 
I got so, like yeah. a high off of it. So not only are you getting them their harvest, you're teaching them the process of how you do it. And so it's going to prolong their life in the wildlife. Exactly. And now that's awesome, man. And we, we realized that this year we, uh, we, this last, that year I took four people hunting and we got them all turkeys. This year we took eight of us hunting. We got eight turkeys. And so the number just doubled by people that never been hunting before reaching out and saying, Hey, could you take me hunting? I've never been. And that, that, that's awesome. I love getting, you know, I have a pretty big following on social media. So when I get messages about, Hey, this is where I live. Do you know anyone in this area that I could get hooked up with to go hunting? I usually have a phone book full of people. I'm like, Hey, call this guy, tell him, you know me, we can get something lined up. And that's, right. that's awesome to me that kids want to reach out and want to do that kind of stuff. And we want to know how to hunt and how to hunt the right way, learn how to get the permission, learn how to scout, learn how to set, you know, decoys for waterfowl. You know, it, it's, it's just an amazing process. And I'm glad that I'm starting. I feel like a, I wouldn't say a celebrity, but I feel like people actually look up to me in a way that I can teach. Right. You built a name and a reputation for yourself. And there, there is a, there is a high that you get off that knowing that you built a good name and reputation. I have the, like the same thing where I'm at, you know, I'm in town, everybody knows me as firefighter, EMT, stuff like that. And so it's, it's a good feeling knowing that you've worked your hard work is paying off in other ways than just hunting or just whatever you're, you're known for. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, we actually last year partnered with a really cool program. Uh, if anyone from Kansas is listening to this, we have a, a nonprofit charity uh, called Outdoor Mentorship. Uh, Brittany French is one of my main contacts with her. What they do is actually take kids hunting. They look out for mentors who want to offer their time to take kids hunting. And uh, it's not even just hunting. You go fishing. You can go. They've done trapping. They've done upland hunts, waterfowl hunts, deer hunts. You name it, they can make it happen. If you want to do something outdoors and you don't have the opportunity to or you just don't know where to start, find them on social media, reach out, tell them, Hey, Ryan said, you guys are who I need to talk to about getting on hunts. We did uh, two goose hunts with them this year and we're planning on doing two duck hunts and two goose hunts this year as well. Uh, last year, That's we, awesome. we just, we just, we smacked them, man. It was awesome watching these kids who've never hunted waterfowl before. And we got to hunt with them and their dads. It was, it was a young boy and his dad and a girl and his dad, her dad. And it was just fantastic. We had a great harvest. Uh, we ended up shooting like 20 something geese. I think I, I had to go look at the pictures, but that's awesome. We got into, yeah, we got into some snows. We got into some Canada's. It was just, it was just a great time and I'm excited to work with them again. Yeah, that's awesome. I know the area I work in. So I did a youth conservation board for a few years while I was in high school, helping plan kids events and stuff like that. And so that's kind of where I got started with like the public and hunting. And now I'm a, I'm a part of a Delta waterfowl chapter in my area and I know we have like, like 13 kids signed up for their first waterfowl hunt this year. So yeah, I'm excited to participate in that. And, and it's nice too, for something like that, all I got to do is I don't have to worry about shooting or anything like that. Make sure the kids are being safe and sit behind the camera, which has kind of become my favorite thing to do is just filming the hunts. We went up and hunted the early goose in North Dakota this year. And it started off not, we found birds, other people found the same birds, didn't work out the first morning. Second morning, ended up meeting five guys, deciding to hunt with them. And it turned into now we have a group of 10 guys that from all over the country that we're super excited to hunt with, you know, made some really good friendships out of that. But I was more excited not even to shoot birds. Like I just wanted to go up there, get some film footage, you know, work. It was really cool. That was one of our, one of the first times I've got to be on like a hunt where we know we're on birds that we've had a dog. So I get into 
you know, video the dog and see the dog work. That was really cool. Yeah, we, I, I'm the same boat. We got, um, due to my social media on TikTok, I have a, a really close family, I would say we are. Uh, and we're all over the country. I mean, we're from we're from Texas to Wisconsin. I mean, we're top to bottom, and we're all avid hunters and outdoorsmen. Um, and we just have, like, a group chat. We talk all the time. We're always like, hey, who wants to go hunting here? Uh, we're trying to work some stuff out. We had a really awesome dove hunt opener this year. We ended up shooting 300 birds in a weekend. Wow. Uh, yeah, we had some, we were supposed to have two of the guys in that, a group or a guy and a girl, um, uh, come in from Iowa and Texas for that hunt, but just, just didn't work out. And so, um, there's and works you, for next year for sure. You shoot 300 birds in a weekend and I'll pay some crazy money to come down and be a part of that. That, yeah, that just it, sounds it, like it, a blast. It was a wicked dove hunt. I mean, it, I mean, it wasn't fun cleaning that many birds, but man, definitely right. getting in that and just you definitely could tell that all of us were super rusty that first morning. We didn't shoot very well, but we'd finished that limit in the afternoon. And then the next day we were on it. Like I think that first day I ended up shooting like four or five boxes of shells. I think the second day I only ended up shooting like a box. So, yeah, I I thought one of the craziest thing was, was when I started building those relationships with, so in our group, it was guy from Missouri, a couple guys from out in the Ohio, Michigan area. And then a guy from Texas by the name of Jacob Lang. And he, uh, he guides all over, you know, he was telling us that he's, he's up in Saskatchewan right now. And they're sending pictures of these giant piles of geese and pintails and stuff. And then in November, he moves down to West Texas and guides crane until December. And then he heads over to Arkansas and he's one of the top snow goose guides in Arkansas, in Stuttgart, Arkansas. And it's like, listen to some of his stories and just the knowledge he has. It's crazy. Like, you start talking to people from around the country and you realize things aren't the same where you're at. Like the couple guys from Michigan, Ohio, they're like, yeah, we shoot black ducks all the time. And I'm like, what, what is that? have those. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we have mallards, wood ducks, teal. And that, I mean, that's the majority of our ducks, at least in my, you start traveling a little, like a couple hours into some bigger lakes, you'll start getting some more species, but so that was pretty cool. And I know I'm planning to go out there at the end of November <clears throat> and go hunt, uh, I think we're hunting in the Erie area and going to go out and shoot some black ducks and maybe some bluebills if they're still around. And I'm super excited that, and, you know, I think North Dakota for me was an eye opener because like, I realized, you know, for $400 a person, we had five guys in our group. We went up, got in an Airbnb and hunted for a week and it really wasn't that expensive. Yeah. The bigger groups definitely help. We have uh, some really big plans this year for some out of state hunts. Uh, we're going to go meet up with one of our good friends in Texas. We're going to go hunt Northeast Texas flooded timber with a good friend of mine, Sean Davis. Ooh. He is a, he's a mallard killer, man. He, he smokes them down there. Uh, we're super excited about that just because we don't have flooded timber around us. We, right. we're, we're flat as can be. And we're, we're hunting marshes that you can see birds work a mile away. Timber, man, that's, I, I haven't really been a big timber guy just because I never have the opportunity, but I'm excited for that. We're also going to go to Arkansas that same week. And actually we're going to go hunt flooded timber again. Then we'll be coming back to Kansas, finishing up the guides uh, season. We'll be ending in February, and then we're going to run down to uh, Arkansas one more time to go hunt some uh, snows and conservation season with a good friend of mine named Logan. So we're super excited about that. Man, that's awesome. So how many, uh, like, what's an approximate number of how many, uh, let's say, clients you had last year? So last year was our first official year as an LLC and official business. Um we ended up taking 20 groups total throughout the season. Most of them were two-day hunts. Uh, our numbers are 
getting better. Uh, I think this year, just due to inflation and cost of things, people aren't wanting to take trips. But we're we're at the right. same study about twenty groups this year, where we're trying to we're trying to book up to thirty. Uh, we're still we're still taking clients. We're still getting phone calls every day trying to fill those books. Uh, we still have a bunch of dates left in February and uh, late January, which is sometimes the best season because we finally get some snow and some cold front. So in that late February or that time frame that you have dates open right now, what are what are you shooting in Kansas? Uh, by that time in late uh, season, we're getting into some of the honkers. We call them the January Giants around us. Uh, we get the big gold birds. But mainly here we take a lot of lessers and uh, cacklers, uh, the big okay. old flocks of hundreds and thousands. We, we get those. Um, sometimes we'll get on some field mallards. We mostly field hunt. We don't hunt a whole lot of water. Uh, right. But we do get after the field mallards and the field lessers and cacklers, so it's definitely a good time. That's crazy. Yeah, like last year's my first season, but we have we have a I'd say a decent population where I'm at of local honkers throughout the um, early season, and then we get a push. Yeah, I'd say about December of it's a lot of geese. Um, the way it was last year, anyway. And then we got on a hunt. I had scouted some birds from a hilltop and got next to the X and. We thought they were just all honkers. So we go out, me and Turbo, and we set up. And it turns out instead of being 10,000 honkers, it was 5,000 honkers and about 5,000 lessers. And it was just crazy. So we weren't set up or prepared for that. And I didn't know how to call last year. So Turbo was the only one calling. We didn't shoot any lessers. We ended up shooting all bigs. But that was still a blast. Just like listening to them and just watching the way they're working and checking us out. Yeah. So I'd, that'd be awesome. Like I'll have to bring up Turbo while getting down there and shooting some lessers yeah we that was one of our big things is once we found those birds and we realized they were lessers after that hunt we tried to get on them again and it just never worked lessers are the best i think personally i love hunt i love a good lesser hunt last year we had probably one of our i'd say my highlighted best hunt ever we had a group of eight guys come up from arkansas and you know they talk big game down there about their flooded timber and how nothing matches right, right? Uh, we ended up shooting an eight-man of lessers, and we shot a couple mallards in 30 minutes. We were done by uh, 8 o'clock. So what's your guys' limits down there? Uh, it's six per person. So we ended up shooting 48 geese and I think three or four ducks, three or four mallards. But we were done, and, and we still had birds coming in. We had the decoy, we had the trailer in the field, and the birds were still piling in. Like if we had 15 guys, we had shot a 15-man limit easily. That's crazy. So, like, what kind of fields yeah. are you guys hunting down there? uh we mostly uh, hunt cornfields um winter wheats sometimes beans De beans are definitely an early season move um we right. with how dry it's been they're already cutting corn they've already cut the wheat mostly so everything's already pretty much been harvested so it might be a completely different game changer for early season this year yeah we hunt I, in iowa with i mean 95 percent of what you're hunting is corn you'll get on sometimes where it's beans but it's I'd say it's just harder to hide with hiding into beans too. But yeah, we hunt, you hunt corn up here. We don't get like winter wheats or cover crops like that just cause we don't, we're not as flat in my area. So we don't have like the super bad erosion problems, stuff like that. So I'd say, but I think corn is hunt is easy to hunt too. Yeah. Well, we also, we, uh, we like to lay under socks. We like to lay under decoys. So really it's not hard to hide in any field. Um, oh, so, so yeah, we've never, I've never done that. I'm hoping to try this year. I went out and bought a, <laughs> a dive bomb ghillie blanket and i'm gonna get the kick back here in a couple weeks they're awesome uh, we we work really big with dive bomb uh, got asher at dive bomb he's awesome uh me and him talk he's a great guy he's helped me a lot with my hunting as long as, as much as my calling too um super down to earth guy 
That's awesome. Yeah, I'd say dive. So out of my group of guys that we hunt with, I'd say we have a group of five, six that that's our main, the guys we went up to North Dakota with. We're all pretty big into dive bomb and starting to buy them. Like the first thing I ever bought for waterfowl other than my shotgun was I bought a five dozen V2s and you know, I bought a, <laughs> so I was like absolutely broke the first way I got into waterfowl. So I bought waiters, shotgun, and I got a dozen V2s just to get started in a bag. Well, then I was like, man, I really need to fill this bag because turbo had five dozen. So I actually went out and bought four, four dozen V2As just to kind of mix it up since everybody else in my group has regular V2s. But I know on my list for this year, I need to, I want to pick up a couple dozen of F1 mallards and get some socks and stuff. Cause I do want to try uh, hiding under socks because of that reason that sometimes in Iowa, like last year we had a couple hundred birds that we had permission on the field, but there was nothing on the edges to put an A-frame and it was a bean field and there's, it's really hard to hide out in the middle of a bean field. Yeah, no, it, and the dive bomb socks work perfectly. You got to get a mixture of the tall socks and the short socks. Uh, we run, I couldn't even tell you how many duquas we have, but we run huge spreads here at least. I don't know how you guys do it in Iowa, but it's not uncommon to run 50, 60 dozen in a spread easily. I'd say it's common. I would, I wouldn't say that much around here. Like I said, it's my first year, so I'm not really a hundred percent sure. Like I said, I last year was my first year getting a waterfowl, so I didn't have a whole lot of decoys and a couple of the other guys turbo was main when I hunted with last year and he only had five dozen. He owns out of a car. So he kind of has to think about that. But I would say this year, our goal, I would say, is to run 25 dozen and then obviously increase it every year from here. Yep, just slowly build that uh, spread up. It 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 goes faster than you think because, you know, you're like, oh, I bought five dozen, you know. All right, well, now I'm going to buy 15 dozen. All right, well, I just bought another 15 dozen. And, man, right. it doesn't get any easier watching them packages show up on your doorstep. It feels like Christmas. We literally had what we called it a decoy party when I got the rest of my dive bombs in and came in, like – turbo came over and we just we were putting stakes and dive bombs getting them all in the bag it was it was just so much fun you know getting ready yeah for... no it's it's an it's an awesome feeling when they show up you're like oh you checking your tracking information like oh they're gonna be here today oh, they're gonna be here at three o'clock you know better be home yeah so that's the crazy thing so i don't know how it happened but i got my order i placed all my order like when i ordered my four dozen i ordered or no it was I don't know if it was when I ordered my four dozen or when I ordered my five dozen and the, or my one dozen in the bag, but my, my decoys came separate from the stakes. So no, what it was, was I ordered the four dozen V2As, those came with the stakes. And then I ordered a ground punch too. And the ground punch came from a different mail carrier, like two hours late. So I was like sitting there freaking out because we needed the ground punch for the morning. So it was frozen. So I had like, like nerves eating me up right there. Like is our whole hunt in the morning going to be ruined? But no, I, I love dive bomb. We work really close to them. We, we run strictly dive bomb. And I mean, for a long time, it took me a like, man, silhouettes, those aren't going to work, you know? And that's how the old style of hunting was, is like full bodies or nothing. And, you know, I, I did a buddy hunt with some guys that had dive bomb products and I realized, dude, these things are awesome. They're easy to carry. They're uh, lightweight. You can put, way more out with way less space in a trailer and i was hooked from there and i mean we were just fortunate enough that dive bomb and i uh, our business worked together and we get that uh we get to make some really good products uh reviews and stuff all right so we had to take a quick intermission right there um turbo actually is able to jump on now so turbo's here and now we have um so we're kind of talking about one thing we we're talking about in our intermission is what we want to talk about next 
And that's kind of like the competition in Kansas versus Iowa. So talk about like what goes on down there. Yeah. So I started the outfitter, like I said, two years ago, and you felt that pressure from the get go. Um, we all know Bobby guy. He's done very big, uh, very good stuff. This, uh, YouTube. He has a great following on his channel. Uh, he's actually only about 30 miles outside of where I live. So we are constantly fighting for, uh, properties um where you know we're chasing the same birds off the same roost we run into them on every day almost it feels like either him or one of his guides uh there's another company just right outside the gates that let them know that their presence was there uh right out the gig i mean i and that's kind of you know it's a business you got competition for clients and i think there's a way to go at it there's a way not to go at it and he i felt like he definitely wanted to make sure he knew he was who he was and he was the big dog he felt like. And I was, I didn't get any like threats, but I definitely, you know, he made his presence known. And, you know, I think that I've done better than him last year. I think I was more successful. So at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> right. It's one of those, and the whole outdoor industry is one of those things where you try and be as nice as you can. So you have to, and then it's at the point where we're all, nobody in the outdoor industry is also going to give up anything. Yeah, exactly. And that's another thing that we have to kind of, I feel like we should change about the, uh, at least waterfowl industry, um, gatekeeping the sport. I mean, I get the business aspect of it. We're fighting for clients, but when it comes to guys who want to go hunting and you have the opportunity to take them, take people hunting with you, don't gatekeep it because they're not part of your group. They're not part of your six boys that you hunt with every weekend. Get some new guys in what you, that's, how we're going to grow the sport we need to stop gatekeeping and not telling people that they can't go with us i mean that's that's one of my main things one of my biggest pet peeves of the at least the waterfowl industry that we need to come together as one and realize hey it can't be just our five or six boys we hunt with every weekend if we can start taking at least one or two guys a year and growing that those one or two guys are going to find four more guys and those four more guys will find four more and then what do you know in three years we've tripled our numbers yeah i would definitely agree just because like nowadays like you said sometimes it's just so toxic and you see stuff on social media and it's like man it just sucks that it's that way in certain places um you know just like you said getting people into it it, the more the merrier um especially if we have people that are putting you know instilling good values of, of how to hunt um you know good ethics obviously but like you said just getting more people into it and uh making sure it's a better future for us yeah, um, there, there's really good people out in uh, the world that I'm I actually really good friends of mine who actually are really avid people about getting youth out and taking people hunting up. For example, I have a really good friend of mine. Her name's Jessica. She's up in Wisconsin. She has her own TV show called The Wild Race. Um, this season, she's actually going to be able to come down to here and hunt with us. We're going to do a waterfowl hunt in the morning and an afternoon hunt upland bird. So we're super excited about that. But what she does is each state she travels to to go hunting, she actually reaches out for youth in the area that want to go hunting who don't have the opportunities to go so this year we're probably going to take two or three kids it's going to be a you're going to uh, the kids will actually enter on a website kind of fill out a questionnaire about like how much have they hunted have they hunted before what do they know firearm safety and why and why do they think they deserve to win this chance to go hunting and be filmed and put on uh, tv so we're super excited about that she's doing some awesome work go check her stuff out uh it's the wild race she has her show is awesome. She does really good film work and we're just super excited about her coming down this year. Yeah. I think that's really cool. The fact that she's so willing to get youth into it. And that's one thing that many of us, I think just need to realize is 
that's what's going to be keeping this thing rolling. You know, we're kind of in the mid stages of it and getting into it still, but you know, at the end of the day, when it comes time, they're going to be the ones that carry this on as well. So. Yep. And if we don't start with the youth, they'll get too old. And by that time it's going to be a dying sport because we are gatekeeping it. We, we do feel as if there is a dying aspect of it. Let's, let's talk social media, for instance, TikTok. You can't post videos of dead birds. You can't post videos of firearms, you know, uh, like, for example, my, one of my good friends, Sammy, she actually got her account banned today and we had to, she had to go through the whole peeling process of it. So, and she's actually in Iowa. She's, she's an awesome deer hunter. She, I mean, she's killed more deer than I've ever seen probably. And that's, and then the toxic thing about it too, is I can get, okay, there it's their app. They can regulate what, go, what we put on there, but it's hunting is by far the most regulated um film thing in the entire country like i see so many i don't want to say but like half nude girls new half nude guys some really like provocative things some rate a bunch of racial stuff that's on there but i can't yeah you can't post a video with a dead bird and it's like they don't want people to know about that side of really the entire country yeah like for when we had that a span on tiktok right before like it got serious where kids were playing with dead birds you know that's one of my biggest pet peeves. like ring that neck use a finisher come on let's put that bird out of his misery it's you know that's how it's that's ethics right one of my good right. friends Corey smith he's up in pennsylvania he is a band killer i mean i don't think he's been on a hunt this year he didn't shoot more less than five bands like he just knows how to hunt them he's crazy up there but uh Jessica was actually looking for donations for her, her Wisconsin upland hunt. I think it was. Um, and we actually, a good friend of mine, Josh Cole, he owns eight ten outdoors up there in Michigan. We actually ran a t-shirt with Corey's face on it and it said, just ring it. And a lot of that proceeds actually went to go fund that, uh, upland hunt. These kids are going to get, you know, their upland vest. They're going to get their hats, safety, uh, glasses, ear protection, the whole nine yards are getting hooked up, uh, so it was a cool thing. We all bought those shirts. We were trying to broadcast them all over social media and we ended up selling a ton. So that was, that was awesome. So like staying on the social media topic, like, do you feel also like how I feel about it is being in like the outdoor industry and the outdoor side of TikTok also is like the hardest like community I would say to grow with. But once you get started it's like a huge curve going up. Like it can be really hard to get your first couple of videos to pop off. But I feel like once you do consistently and you get like a consistent outdoor following, those people are loyal to you and, you know, they continuously watch your stuff. You guys, I mean, you guys kind of get the same thing. Like, yeah, you uh, we find that do. Like, consistent following. Yeah. Um, I, my TikTok, it, I mean, it, it felt like it grew overnight. Um, I posted one video and it, it just booms and like you said, you have this loyal like fan base. I wouldn't say fan base. That's not the word I would say to use, but like you have a, a loyal community. Um, we'll do TikTok lives and I can, I know and memorize people who are watching and like they're in there every time. Uh, it, it's just, it's cool that these people are always there supporting you and your business. Like, cause I'm very, you know, big on if I eat, you eat, you know, like helping hands and so whenever i can name drop a company or name drop an outfitter in another state that someone was on i am not opposed to doing that and that's a community growth on social media like i share all of my friends stuff if even if it's not like something i would share on my business page as far as like another outfitter right i would share it on my personal page i mean that, that's that's my friend i'm gonna help him out and it they do the same thing for me uh like logan shet for he uh runs devastation hunts down in arkansas i actually booked a hunt not too long ago 
he had someone on Facebook say, Hey, I'm looking to want to hunt Kansas. Does anyone know any outfitters? And he dropped my name guy calls me and uh, I, I got a two day hunt booked with him and I was so thankful for him. So we're going to actually go hunt with him snows in Arkansas. So we're super excited about that. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And like we talked about earlier, you know, connections in this industry is everything. It's if the more people, you know, whether it's all right, Ryan, we'll come down there. We're, we're going to book a hunt for this many, for this much, for this many days. And then, all right, now, Hey Ryan, let's also let's run as a group to this outfitter that, you know, you know, as the more, and the more people you get involved with it, the more connections you have, the more stuff you can do with other people too. Exactly. And a lot of these guys that run outfitters, if they're not like a major name, like, you know, Cadillac Creek or things like that, they're, they're a smaller outfitting service. And if you reach out to them and say, Hey, have you guys ever wanted to hunt, you know, North Dakota and it's the guys down in Texas or something more than likely those guys will work something out with you to trade hunts straight across. You know, you just pay for your travel down. They'll take you hunting. Probably a month later, they'll come up and hunt with you. I've met some of the, my, I'd say my greatest friends in the outdoor community through just trading hunts with people and being able to go have these opportunities to hunt out of state. So one thing I want to say too, is um, we kind of experienced this when we were up in North Dakota. I don't know if you talked about that before at all. Mike. Yeah, I talked um, about just a little, but go ahead. But you know, all those guys, we met them on, what we thought was going to be competition we showed up to the field and then they rolled in right behind us and we were like you know shoot we got other guys that are trying to hunt this field so the instance we had before that was two um younger kids from the state up north um and they weren't the nicest but these guys were down from texas there was some from ohio missouri they're all just a big group of buddies and they were super cool. We ended up hunting with them. The next day, we were all, you know, super good friends, exchanged social media, Snapchats, whatever. And now they're asking us if we want to go hunt ducks with them, if we want to go on fishing trips with them over in Ohio. Um, we got invited to go down and crane hunt. It's like just one day of hunting is all it took. And we have invites to go do four different things. Yeah, it was like I, after. I, go ahead. I, I agree, man. Like that camaraderie you make in a blind, um, you know, you, you, you become brothers and you know sisters with these people you hunt with. Like, and it's just instantly, it's like, I can't, it's hard to explain. No one can really explain it. But like when you go on a hunt together and you've gone through the trials and tribulations of the scout to the sitting in the field and being able to do all that, you become just like best friends with these people. And you might not see them every day, but you have these opportunities to go, you know, see them at least once a year to go do a fishing trip or go on a hunting trip or just go for a week and, yeah, that was definitely our experience. Like after that hunt, they were they were doing it like the way they were hunting North Dakota was how I want to do it next year. They were kind of just traveling across the state, drifting wherever the birds were going, camping, stuff like that. We had an Airbnb. So I was like, hey, you know, if you guys want to come back to the Airbnb, we'll make a big supper. We'll all just chill, drink beer. You know, it was just like it was like, yeah, one hunt where we killed we killed 11 birds that morning. Didn't nothing went planned. Literally not a single thing went as planned but it was honestly probably one of the most fun hunts I've ever been on. And that's, that's what hunting is. It's not always about the harvest. It's, it's about the, the journey. It really is the, it's, it's crazy to explain that to you to people like, Oh man, we didn't limit out. We didn't shoot, you know, a six man, but we did shoot a two man and we had a blast. Right. And like, so it's like making a comparison too. It's like, take a sport for instance, and you can talk about any sport. If you ask them, what's your most fun experience? It's 
usually the game they won or how successful they were with their teammates and the joy that brought. And then you ask hunters, it's like, man, we went out today. We got piss pounded rain. The hide didn't work. Um, the wind was wrong. We didn't see a single bird. And they'll say that was probably the most fun hunt they've had. Oh yeah. Um, I, there's a good story. My buddy, Tristan Vogel, he owns a uh, zero duck 30. They're another podcast. He uh, did a podcast I listened to not too long ago that he talked about one hunt that he was riding down the river and his motor, the mount bolts all came out for some reason. And he oh. said that was the worst experience ever. He ended up still, I think he said he ended up still shooting a couple ducks, but he said that was still one of those memorable hunts that you just, you don't forget because it's just something that crazy that would never happen again, but it made that memory of him and, you know, just his friends doing that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome right there. I think when I, one of Turbo and I is like, one of the things we look back at so much and we laugh about and during wasn't the most fun, but afterwards it's fun. It was like we went ice fishing on Lake Malax and we were so underprepared, packed too, way too much gear. And mind you, we're walking out onto one of the biggest lakes, like in a so many hour drive. And we walked way too far out and it was absolutely like during we were laughing, having fun and stuff, but like physically you felt miserable. But afterwards we just, we went to Applebee's to get supper that night and we just could not stop laughing at anything. And we laugh about it like so much to this day. Yeah, we you guys the... have a... Sorry, go ahead. No, y'all do the Applebee's thing. My group, we do Taco Bell. We go to the same Taco Bell, and I swear those employees hate us. I don't know what it is, but that's it's just a funny thing that we do. We go because usually we're done just in time for breakfast. So we get up there because they stop serving breakfast at 11. We're there at 10 30, 10 45, 10 55, and we're ordering breakfast. The, the employees know our name, we know their names, but I swear they low key hate us. It's so funny. Yeah, I think as soon as we walked into the Applebee's, not one of us stopped laughing for probably 15 seconds. We were at that point of tiredness where you just like you anything is funny or like yeah, just anything it's, just, it's bad. <laughs> no, but those are those are those memories that you'll live for with ever like forever with, you know, when you get older and you're talking about man, you remember that one time that we went duck hunting and it just it was sleeting out and my gun jammed so bad I had to take it apart in the field in the marsh. Like those things, those are the stories you'll remember. You won't re- You'll remember those like eight man, 10 mans that you finish in 30 minutes, but the hunts that have the, the, just the bad, you know, issues with those are the ones that will live with you forever. So from North Dakota, it'd be like, Hey, turbo. Remember that time when I carried 190 pound, a frame three quarters of a mile with no shirt on through mosquitoes and soppy fields. And then we had to, we got this over there. And yeah. <laughs> and we got over there and we were standing in ankle deep mud, had to cut reeds just to put in the bottom of the A-frame so we could not sink in mud while trying to shoot. And the birds didn't work. Yeah. Like, honestly, that is something we're going to talk about for the next 40, 50 years. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's, that's what it's supposed to be. Hunting is not always about the harvest. It's the journey. And I'll, I'll preach that till the day I die. And, and that's why we all, I know with you, it's TikTok and us, you know, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, you know, everything. That's why we're documenting and filming so much as much as we can is because we want to share those memories and get other people into that sport. Like, at least that's what it is for me. No, I, I, that's the same journey I'm on. You know, I, I want to be able to one day when I have grandkids and, you know, social media and phones aren't a thing anymore. We're on to like holograms or something. And I'm, you know, like our parents pull out VHS tapes of, you know, hunts or whatever. <laughs> I want to pull out my old iPhone and say, Hey, look at this video of us working these birds, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm definitely there with you guys too. And like, <clears throat> I find so much enjoyment in 
just like editing the video and going back through it and then you know seeing the finished product and bringing the hunt I mean already it's it's already a great moment but just bringing it to life even more is like super fun for me so and I just love seeing everybody's enjoyment out of it and you watch the video and you just feel like you're reliving the moment like right. you can think about exactly what's going like I can imagine myself in that blind just right there and then dude yep. every day I'm I'm re-watching those videos I posted of us scouting with like the guys we met we're just sitting there glassing these birds. I rewatch those North Dakota videos like every day, just cause like, I want to go back up there and just hang out with the guys all day long, you know, just talk hunting and different stories. Yeah. It's, that's, that's so yeah. much fun. That's how our dove camp went, man. We had 15 guys with us. We were in a small little cabin up in Northwest Kansas. And I mean, I was in charge of doing all the suppers and cooking, which I'm, I love to cook. That's one of my major hobbies. I love to do the, field the table like that's my that's my niche and you know just the camaraderie we built with a bunch of these just ran not i wouldn't say random like we all just brought buddies you know we brought a lot of people who've never been hunting before we brought people who've only hunted deer never really been dove hunting so we had all these different stories i mean one night we stayed up till like 4 a.m just you know drinking beers uh just talking stories i mean i picked out my guitar and we strummed and sang you know just like the just something you would see in a movie. It just felt like that was what we were living. It was awesome. So like talking about like, you know, documenting and stuff like that. So you're, are you TikTok? Is that like, is that your main social media platform? Yeah, I would say that's the main one. I do a lot of my uh, posting on, I do have Twitter. I, t- I barely post on it, but I still somehow have a decent following on it. Uh, but TikTok's my main. Uh, I do Instagram as well for personal and business. Right. You know, Facebook, everyone, everyone has Facebook. Right. So like when you, so let's talk about editing a little bit and I'll kind of wrap it up and I'm sure we'll, we'll have plenty more episodes we can do, you know, going forward into the season, you know, updates. But so like when you go through and edit, how are you, I don't, I mean, don't give away your secrets on how you edit your videos, but I guess give away just a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. Is there a certain trick you found to editing or how does that go for you? So I'm really big on transitions. I love the cool edit transition stuff. Um, I do a lot. I would say I base a lot of my stuff off of Colton Kerr and we can talk about Colton Kerr being one of the coldest guys on TikTok with his edits. He is fantastic. He's fantastic. Filmer. Exactly. And so I kind of like, I'd say I look up to him and his style. I kind of, I don't want to say I copy mirror because that's not what I want to do. I want to kind of have my own style. Um, I like to do a lot based off of music. Um, I'm a very musical person. I love music. I love listening to new songs. I, you know, I listen to a song and all I can think of is how I can edit to it. You know, I like doing the transitions. I like doing the, you know, I have a, I have a really cool video that went viral of, a, I had a, it was me and my truck with scouting binoculars and then it zooms into the binocular lens and goes to, uh, I think it was yes. a, the I, dog or something. Yep. Then, I remember that video and I was literally like sitting there wondering how you edit that or you had the other one where it was like the waterfowl season, I think is calling. You had like the two answer and deny buttons. Yeah. Yeah. I had, yeah, it was ringtone and it had a cool iPhone sound and, yeah. you know, and sometimes on social media and the editing, it's, you know, you, you sit there and edit a video you're like, man, this is trash. No one's going to like this but you post it anyways and those are usually the videos that go viral oh it's, my. it's i don't know how i don't that know how tiktok my... does that me and me and turbo yeah. literally complain about this all the time like we can spend four hours editing a 10 second tiktok and then somebody else can take our footage and not edit it at all post it and get 
quadruple the views we get. It's got to do something with the algorithm, and I haven't yeah. perfected it yet, but he, people have, and they know how to work it, and I, I just haven't got to that level yet. Right. Yeah, so going, you, going back to the editing thing, I'm definitely the same way as far as, like, music goes. So I kind of think of my style as, like, I like to take, like, cinematic songs and kind of make it, kind of, like, make the video into the song. So, like, I, I almost base my edit off the music first. And then just kind of where I can play in different parts of the video. Um, but I think transitions is definitely something I need to get better on. So, And I, it's, honestly, I'd say like I'm in the between you guys. Like I like the cinematic shot, like the cinematic film, but more of the upbeat style music, more of like beat drops, stuff like that. But the filming style still, you know, cinematic, longer moving shots, stuff like that. Yeah, I like to take a popular music i did a video um, on tiktok that i posted i took a gosh what was the name of that song it was it was a j cole song it's like she knows yeah she knows by j cole and i had it slowed down reverb version of it and i had it pop up on the right side of my screen of a text messages with a, my a girlfriend it said like how many decoys did you buy and then i had a video i overlaid myself walking in so there's two of me in the same clip and i look over to myself and i'm like she knows that one went viral and it was funny um but like that's I kind of like that style. I like the if you there's a famous song going on buzzing around TikTok. I like to find like a slow reverb version of it and do an edit to it. It's different, but it's the same song. So TikTok kind of finds that algorithm to make it work. Um, I'm really big on the slow reverb. I like the dramatic kind of side of it too. Yeah, that's cool. So without like giving away your exactly how you do it, because it is like it's not something I'd say like the editing that could be more gatekeep because then once somebody finds out like how you're editing, they're copying you and then your videos aren't staying out as much. But do you edit yours on a phone or on a computer? I actually edit them on an iPad. Okay. I'm old school. I I, I would say I'm blind. I couldn't probably <laughs> if I really tried, but you know, I'm blind. So I like to have a bigger screen. I don't use my laptop. I actually use an iPad, an old iPad too. It's not even like a new one. <laughs> It's one of those and old brick I, ones, like the second one ever came out. And I just asked that just because I want like other people to know you don't have to have even a laptop to go out and make cool edits and be popular on TikTok and, you know, just have that gain that following. You don't need computers and fancy cameras. You can do anything you want really with an iPhone or a Samsung. I film 90% of my content with my iPhone. And iPhone has a great quality camera. I mean, you might not get the cool shots of birds flying by slow, you know, like the high definition stuff, but you're just doing something like a comedy skit, right? And you're just doing it something you're in front of it. it it's perfectly fine. Like 90% of my content is filmed my phone and edited on my laptop shared by the iCloud. You don't need expensive gear. You don't need to get the best of the best to start. You can start with the basic. You can buy, a, you can get a free app on I, iPhone. Um, I think it's CapCut or something like that. It's yep. pretty much the same thing as Premiere Pro, but free. That's where I started everything. And I think we use InShot a lot for ours. I think at least that's yeah, I use CapCut InShot. On that one. Yeah, yeah. But I guess Turbo, do you have anything you want to add on here? I think so. I know I'm ready for season. So <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, so I'm, I'm ready. We're six months out from our uh, goose season, but our teal season opened up last weekend, and we smoked them. So. We're super excited. We're, we're ready to shoot some geese. Yeah. You bet. We'll definitely have to get you back on the podcast later on, you know, get a little more season, kind of give an update of where you're at and how you guys are doing down there. 
for we'll sure kind of give you give you our view of it but i just want to thank you so much for uh hopping on and giving us your information to kind of tell us who you are and hopefully getting the viewers pumped up for waterfowl season two and kind of giving them an insight to what goes on behind the scenes because so and we've talked about it so much before on the podcast that you don't know what goes on behind the scenes of a, you know a tiktok or a podcast or a hunt or anything and I think it's cool that you share the same passion in wanting to get youth into the outdoors. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad you guys let me on. We can definitely do an updated uh, down the road. We could talk about, you know, how the season's going for each other. We could talk about, well, you know, what the true trials and tribulations of is guiding and owning an outfitter. We could definitely talk hours on that. Oh, yeah, that'd be that fun, like, man. Yeah. <laughs> Best of Turbo, if you want to wrap it up here, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, so thanks, Ryan, for coming on. I know kind of I kind of came on here late, but – uh it's fun talking to you and um, hope you have a good season down there. Good luck. But uh, as far as everybody else goes, hope you have a good one. We'll see you in the next one. Peace. Peace.